0: Hi there, just a quick note before we get into the episode. At the first couple of minutes, there'll be some background noise. Please bear with it. And it does end at some point. And please don't let that make you skimp on the episode's lesson. So thank you. Happy listening. People don't sometimes admit it. But sometimes you can find yourself that you have bad dates. You switch on your laptop and you just stare at it. Somebody can see you online but you're probably not working because you have zero morale. Hi, what's up guys? Welcome to another episode of Cafe Construct, your go-to podcast for tips to achieve success in the Kenyan construction industry. Your host for this episode is Whitney, and today my co-host is Brenda Amundi, and we will be taking you through a very um, special topic for us mental health in the workplace this episode is going to be my last episode for this season and for that reason i've chosen i've chosen it because it means a lot to me people don't talk a lot about mental health especially mental health in the workplace but before that we would like to put out a disclaimer that the information we will cover in this episode is our personal opinion and those of our anonymous guests we are not medical practitioners and if you think you need assistance with your mental health please seek support yes so hi guys i'm excited to be a co-host to this show looking forward to sharing our experience and our um, anonymous guests experience so, um, we'll get into the definition first before we start this session. We will also talk about the types of mental illnesses that are there, mental conditions. And, like she has said, share anonymous stories that our guests shared with us through writing and also through conversation. So, again, because we're not medical practitioners, um, the definition that we have for you is the definition that has been provided. With WHO. So, in their own definition, mental health is determined by a range of social, economic, biological, and environment factors. Mental health is a state of well being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities and can cope with the normal stress of life, um, can work productively, and is also able to make a contribution to his or health community so to cover types of mental health problems um there's no single cause of mental illness a number of factors can contribute and i will just put this out there that these conditions range from one person to another symptoms might be different with each and every person so again if you need um support feel free to get it the types of mental health problems are out there. We have anxiety disorders, um, including panic disorders, obsessive compulsive compulsive disorder, and phobias. We have depression, bipolar disorder, and other mood disorders. We have eating disorders, personality disorders, traumatic stress disorder, um, psychotic disorders, including schizophrenia. So you would ask what would cause this mental um, health problems. So some of the causes of mental illnesses can be your genes or family history. Your life experiences, such as stress or a history of abuse, especially if they happen in childhood. There are also people who go through the traumatic um, event of giving birth. It's not an easy process. And afterwards, you come out a completely different person. So that can be one of them. There are biological factors, such as chemical imbalances in the brain, mother giving birth, exposure to virus or toxic chemicals while pregnant. Use of alcohol or recreational drugs can cause uh, mental health problems. Having a serious medical condition, for example, maybe cancer or another chronic disease, um, having few friends and feeling lonely can cause uh, mental health problems for someone. It does not mean that somebody is lazy or weak if they um, have a mental condition. Mm-hmm. So especially relating to that last one for having few friends and feeling lonely or isolated. I'm sure many of us can relate to what we're going through right now. We are going through a pandemic right now. So we've been working from home, many of us have been working from home for quite a long time. Like I've been home for almost two years. And of course there are restrictions that have been given by the government. So you barely have time to socialize. And you can only socialize through like uh, online means. We are even actually right now talking through online means. Yeah. So everything has been reduced to online. And you'll find that this can affect uh, mental health of some people. Just for example, I'm a very social person. So I like to see people. I like to talk to people. And that's my way of distressing. So I don't know how many of you can relate. But at this time, you will discover that you start to feel a bit lonely and repressive. That's one of the, of the main reasons for uh, mental health. So today we, we will not talk about all types of mental health. We want to focus on mental health at the workplace. So what are those things that lead people to have decreased job productivity? What makes you not want to wake up in the morning and things like that? So Let me just give you a few examples of the sources of stress at work. So they are varied and they are many, but the ones that really pop up when you talk about mental health at the workplace are like, for example, uh, bad management. So we'll share the stories later on examples, but like one big reason for people having decreased job productivity is because of the management. So management don't put enough time into investing in work cultures, investing in their employees' mental health. Like um, some companies expect you to just show up at work work, 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 and then go home. Uh, some employers or manager, managers lie to you about what you can expect when you get into a workplace. And when you get there, you discover that everything is different, nothing is what you expected. Or you're told that we will change your contract, we'll improve your contract after probation, after internship, we we'll give you a job. So that managers, like that's one reason why people, after those six months, after those three months, you don't want to work anymore. You want to go home. Um, another one is employee burnout is another reason. So this can be caused by pressure on you to do more than expected or pressure to do more than is what is not matching your salary, for example. So you start to burn out. In the beginning, probably you can have this kind of like pressure can get you to perform. But over time, this like reduces and you start to burn out, start to miss work, you start to disengage with your colleagues. So these are some of the behaviors. And these are ways that we can spot like um, a toxic work culture. If you find that um, your employees are not showing sure up to work on time, they're just not motivated to come to work. And you'll find that most people continue to work for these places just because maybe you've already committed to the job. And also like in our... Um, job market right now it's not easy to just move from one job to the next so once you commit to a job it, it's really hard to to move somewhere else or to change your situation so you'll find that you're just starting getting like low and lower uh, and wanting to go to work so those are just a few ones that we can talk about so we'll also cover like a topic on self-service employment formal and there's also self um, employment and people go through different mental uh, strengths during in these types of jobs. So we'll cover both of those. Um, let's just get straight into that. Yeah. So I'm just going to read it out as if it's my story. However, it it is not mine. I'm just sharing a story of um, our guest. The story is that this particular guest lost morale in that job. So I'll begin by, okay, I'll just read it out. At first I thought I was just having a hard time adjusting to my additional goals and the feeling would pass, but it didn't. Every time I woke up, I didn't want to perform. In four months, it got so bad. Sometimes I would wake up and not work at all. I fell behind on my tasks and began underperforming. It's not just work, but I'm also struggling with my personal life. I think I'm falling into depression. I'm currently getting help from a professional, but it's a slow process and I'm yet to see results. So from this story that has been shared, we can clearly see that um, our guest has um, little to zero morale when it comes to their job. And it's not just something that is job related, but her personal life might also be taking a part in making her reduce um, her morale in jobs. So this is something that we didn't. I didn't mention um, when I was mentioning causes of mental health problems, but our relationships, our personal lives can really um, affect our productivity at work. So people don't sometimes admit it, but sometimes you can find yourself that you have bad days you wake up, maybe you go to work, or currently a lot lot of people right now are working from home, which is new to a lot of us, but you find that you wake up because you don't have to go to work, you have to sit in front of your computer, you don't even want to work. You switch on your laptop and you just stare at it. Somebody can see you're online, but you're probably not working because you have zero morale, yeah. So, like, the, like she's mentioned, personal um, relationships can lead to this type of pressure, um, stress at work. So, you know, companies, um, some companies, and I feel like it should be all companies, give compassionate leave for people to go. Let's say for bereavement, you can go home for, let's say, a week. What is the word? Uh, and I feel like this can give you time to go and grieve peacefully. And actually, just the other day, I was talking to someone who, whose family member died. And I was just talking to someone who had been sick and had been given sick leave. But then right after the sick leave, it was extended sick, sick leave. Most companies have, I think, um, 30 days. Um, half is paid, but half is not paid. So they had just uh, finished their extended um, sick leave. And then right after that, a family member died. And the workplace refused to give him um, compassionate leave. So he was just told, just go for the funeral one day, and the next mm-hmm. day he was back at work. And this just doesn't make sense because you have compassionate leave, which you separate from sick leave. Mm-hmm. But because employers want you to be to finish, to get those whatever work expectations you have, every month you have a target. They want you to reach that target. So they were like, okay, you missed work while you were sick. Now you can't miss work. For compassion, like um, these are the I don't understand why they think this person can continue to okay. work that week. You can't even focus. So but whatever, even if you're working, you sit in front of your desk. There's nothing you're doing. Mm. You're just staring at it. Yeah. So there's a correlation between our mental health and productivity at work. Some companies have mastered that, and others clearly adapt to master that. Yeah. And then with the, our um, with our first story, our guest mentioned that. They had additional roles, and on top of that, they were having personal issues. So it seemed like this was stress on top of stress, and maybe the pressure just became too much that she began feeling or he began feeling that they were falling into depression. And I I, I actually commend the fact that they acknowledged something was not right, and they needed help. And they went for it a lot of people sometimes might go through stressful situations and just keep it to themselves sometimes they'll get family support friends support and sometimes even get medical support but most people would not they would just think it's a passing phase like she started like i just thought it would go away but four months down the line it's not going away and the warning signs were there and i'm glad the person took initiative to get themselves help. Yeah, and actually, some workplaces will even provide you with um, a psychologist or a yeah. therapist. So I think it's advisable to take a personal knowledge uh, your problem or uh, if you're having a bit of challenge, you know, Coopie. going about you, mm-hmm. yeah, coping, you can find help at work or even at work. So for our next um, story, our guest shared the story. Um, HR hired me under pretence that my basic salary or my salary would be reviewed after 3 months probation. I worked so hard to perform and improve profit processes during those months. Six months to one year down the line, trying to have a salary uh, bump talk, And my manager and HR are dodgy. To make it worse, there's no proper work structure. And I personally thrive um, where there's a sense of order. There, there was no clear career growth plan, and a lot of employees gossiped. I felt like I was losing it. It got to a point I couldn't take it anymore, so I quit my job. So clearly, um, and it, it can be a personal thing. Some people thrive under order, and some people are OK with no order. But this uh, is a person who was promised a specific you know, salary. And I think when actually when you sign the contract, you'll only see uh six months probation. Yeah, um, what is the word they use? Salary review, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then six months reaches and nobody reaches out, nobody it's like they hope you forget yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> you forget that you, you are promised uh better salary. And then now when you now bring it up, it's gone. And, like we mentioned, the coping mechanisms are remaining. And for these guests, they decided to quit it. And and the main reason for quitting the job is because they're prioritizing their mental health. And it's not an easy decision to quit your job. And you actually think over it over and over again. And then at the end, you have to decide which one is more of more priority. And it's not like it's even a priority because you have to eat at home, you need money. So this decision is not really um, one, one that's easy to make. You know, most people will start applying for jobs first and then quit. But then even, how can you even apply for a job when your mental health is not? Um, yeah, because you have to, this, and actually these days, job applications are really intense. Yeah. Like a thousand so years, yeah. Some of them even take a whole month mm-hmm. of, of your time. And yeah. imagine if you have to apply for 10 jobs, those are 10 months. Even if they're running concurrently, doesn't yeah. be intense. But so your mental capacity needs to be changed. It's upon you yourself to figure out um, what is the best decision for you. Yeah. Of course, after consulting with, with your family, with friends, with medical, figure out what's the best way. Nobody, is no one right decision anyway. To, so this is just one. Yeah, and it really brings in that question of, is HR there to protect employees or to protect um, the employer? Because there are a lot of question marks in the sense of HR should be there to bridge that gap and be that middle person that's representing both sides, but it gets to a point whereby they miscommunicate for lack of a better word. They miscommunicate the conditions of you being hired, give you false hope. And then when it comes to the time of you, you're done with your probation probation and you've been doing really well, you think that they'd be there to give you the next steps, but they're not doing that, which, which is really sad that somebody has to quit their job because of a toxic work environment, which is something that can be corrected. I think, employers should know their employees like really well you should know your employee to the point of i know this particular employee thrives with a particular order they like being given tasks to be done in a particular way they like a particular structure however this other one thrives with doing things on their own they prefer to be flexible so that you don't lose talent over things that you can fix with the somebody being quitting that job because, for example, um, there's no salary bump which they were told they were going to get when they were being hired is something that could be avoided. You could have just been honest from the start and be like, this is the salary that you're going to get after your probation. And that is what they, they get at the end of it so that they know what they're getting themselves into as well. It doesn't catch them of guard because even with the economy right now if somebody tells you i'm hiring you right now i'm going to give you 30000 cuz you're on probation after this i'll bump it to maybe 50000 you find that this person plans themselves in that um i know in the next 6 months i'll be earning maybe or 3 months i'll be earning um 50000 and not 30000 and maybe they make plans in their life so mm-hmm. this becomes like a very traumatic event of now i have to go back to scratch yeah and then on the salary topic and I think another thing that usually happens is that you start with let's say 30,000 and then when you enter the company the same role you find out somebody else is earning 80,000 I know yeah. like you told you just have to be smart about how you you bargain for your salary but I think also HR should be there to be a bit more fair because it's really sad when you end up finding out that you're doing the same job. Maybe even you're yeah. doing more yeah. and are earning more yeah. than earning. yeah. I think I think this I don't know if there's a way that you can find out obviously you can't, but just do due diligence to figure out like talk about this company to people on LinkedIn, just mm-hmm. ask them what's usually the salary for this just to protect your mental health because you might end up finding out that you're the only one who's earning 30,000 and everyone else, because, just because, you know, personality are a difference and people mm-hmm. can talk up their um, strengths in an interview, yeah. which you should, but like if it's not like everyone can. So just do due diligence, be smart about it, just to protect your mental health. Yeah. So for our next story that has been shared, I developed stress due to my workload. I found myself performing tasks not captured on my JD really being job description, that fell under any other additional tasks. At first, I didn't mind performing the tasks because I thought they were temporary tasks. I also thought if I did my job very well, getting a salary bump or promotion would come easy. It didn't. My role eventually moved to a more senior person, more senior role, but my salary did not match. I was still being paid entry-level salary. Because of my workload and being a high achiever, I began to struggle when it came to performing tasks to the best of my ability. I mainly fought to meet deadlines. I spoke spoke up about needing a promotion. One year down the line, my employer has finally agreed to it. I just don't think I want to stay in the company anymore. I'm honestly tired. I no longer love my job. So from what I've just read, what we can pick out is of being overworked, too much workload. Um, and it's been mentioned any other additional tasks, which I'm sure any of you who signed a contract. You have seen this clause that you'll have the roles you have been hired for in any other additional tasks. But sometimes where do we draw the line when it comes to additional tasks? And then also being given a lot of work, having to perform... Um, senior tasks and you're being paid um, entry level has been mentioned and also the process of having to wait for feedback or maybe salary bump for nearly a year being um, demoralizing so it just taps back also into the first story that we read of morale at work became low and i think it's sad when it gets to that particular point of somebody fighting for something so much and then when you finally get it because you have fought so hard for it you feel like i'm tired it it doesn't feel as good as it would have felt maybe a few months ago if you got it Mm -hmm. yeah i also think that if any other additional tasks is very vague in contracts, usually, mm-hmm. sometimes in interviews, just ask what could this include, course, mm-hmm. they'll catch you that we mentioned this in the contract, even if they give you examples, they'll be like, these are just examples. But I think it's just good to ask about it, just to figure out what you're getting um, yourself, uh, yourself into. And I think the worst part about it is that when you go to HR, They'd be like, uh, what has your manager said? Exactly. Your manager hasn't spoken to us about it yet. When you're signing the contract, Mm. HR was clearly aware. And then sometimes they don't even know that you've been given additional um, tasks. So I think it's just good to also speak up. Don't suffer alone. And you don't have to speak to your colleagues. You can clearly just book a meeting um, with HR. But I know how this can. Can lead to employee burnout where you constantly have to be just speaking up, constantly have to be following up with someone about what to do. And I feel like HR should be our spokesperson yeah. at work. And they need to be, they're actually the ones who are, should be like your manager, say, please, please, please. going to them. I should have your back, have my back, yeah. go to the manager so that I can at least get the help that I need. So for me, I think maybe one way to cope would be that, like speak up to HR and also find figure out your other options. I think for me, at times that I've had employee burnout, because sometimes it happens to everyone, I would just like, look for other jobs. It's not easy, but as soon as I can sense myself starting to not love the job, uh, because you can't go to work, if you don't love the job. Yeah. And you can send it becomes a chore yeah and this guest eventually got um the promotion but the burnout is already like it's at the end of it Mm -hmm. so you just remember having to remember the one year that you had to be talking and it's the same person who you still have to be talking to and i think the other thing is that you'll see other people not having to talk much yeah uh, and doing the same or similar or even less roles so the question comes in is it you that you're not advocating for yourself enough is it your manager who's not advocating for maybe your promotion as much or is it child that's pushing back I think it's all of those factors playing a part to it if you don't advocate for yourself if your manager is not having your back and I think I saw a story later on about the manager not having this person's back if your Mm. manager is not for you it's going to be a big problem be because you've we, yeah. already seen hr will ask you like what does your manager said. Yeah. so even if you go advocating for yourself and your manager just is not for this story yeah and i think i read this networking blog i wish uh, i could remember the link um and i think it was about networking but they said have someone in the company who is going to have your back exactly yeah, yeah. so we need you- to have friends mm-hmm. yeah so have probably a different manager in the company or a, a, a boss somewhere can at least have your back. So that advise you yeah. accordingly. Yeah, because what they use in that room where the big big wits are meeting, the, the big leaders. Does somebody in there know you? Mm-hmm. I think that maybe they can speak to you. This is just like one way of just protecting your mental health before you get there. Just yeah. thinking about ways for you to be protected at work. Because even if you speak up, probably you're not like um, a leader, not a leader, um, a boss in the company. So you need a boss to back. Yeah, and also I think it's important for HR to be able to really be hands-on when it comes to additional tasks. If it's something that's not temporary, maybe somebody has left the company or something happened, maybe somebody is leave, things like that and you need to cover for them, that's temporary you can handle maybe a month, two months. But it's something that goes beyond three months. HR should consider reducing your tasks, your daily tasks or or rather what you are hired to do. So for example, if your job entailed going to field maybe on a daily basis, and right now you also need to be in the office, then the days you have to be in the field or the work you are doing in the field should be reduced because you're taking additional um, tasks within the office. So it should be something whereby if I'm going to give you additional work, then let me reduce some work so that somebody does not experience a burnout of, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm running to do one plus two plus three. And all these things need to be done in a particular deadline and I need to do it really well. But because I can't give them 100% attention, let me just run to meet the deadline. Once that is done, then then that's it. Yeah, so for our next one, um, let me read it out. Intense stress uh, related to starting a new business, especially when business is slow. Friends um, in employment. So you find out that friends in employment are getting ahead in their jobs with promotions and better salaries. And this leads to toxic comparisons. And then you start feeling like a failure how can entrepreneurs protect their mental health? So that's a question our guest is asking us today. So just to start, um, we have to know that getting being employed and setting your own business are so different. you know, let's even just talk about being employed in a good workplace because sometimes even being employed you need to get your salary for months on end you know about that but like let's talk about a good um employer you'll be getting your salary monthly and probably getting your promotions um in a few years or a few months but when you start your, your, your own business you have to start by acknowledging that you you will be encountering challenges and they will be varied um challenges and i think for me like um when i was younger in uni if you'd asked me what i'd been like i think i'll work for two years and then i'll start my own business but after speaking to business owners i've been <laughs> changing my mind every single year and i think the main reason is because if you talk to any business owner they'll tell you that the work you put in it's not eight to five it's 24 hours, and you have to network to get your business. We've actually been posting different people here who started their own businesses, and you can see the challenges they've been encountering and how they've been coping. I think I'll just um, refer you to those um, um, sorry podcast episodes. episodes. You can see how they coped with it, but they'll tell you that it's not one plus one, and if you, you don't expect it to just come easy. So our guest has mentioned, and this will lead you to start comparing yourself to people who are in the, who are employed. Because employed people, if you're if you have a good job, your salary if it's coming all the time, you your stress is not about finding money. But if I'm self-employed and business is slow, I have to figure out how my daily basic needs are met. So you have to, and you also have to think about getting your business people every single day, and you just start to just. It's also burnout. it's just uh, um, tiring. So I think um, for the people that I've talked to before about this, eventually it's about finding peace that I've chosen a path. And the path will have ups and downs, and it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to be in the short term. It's in the long term. Actually, if you ever talk to a business owner, they'll tell you, think about it long term. Don't think about it short term. For us employed people, we're just thinking every month the salary is due. And then one week later, oh, if you finish record, so it's only one week left, so only yeah. three weeks left. You never mm-hmm. really know how much will come in. Yeah. It could be a big sum, it could be, it could or be or nothing. And then you make, sometimes you'll have to keep following up clients That's and it. all this. So this following up is also another thing. So people, if you're paying for services, please kindly pay services on time because yeah. these people also have to that's life. Yeah, pay bills. Yeah. And I think like most people I've talked to who are businesses with clients. Clients always being late. Clients mm-hmm. actually clients expect you to do a lot more, a lot for little. And then when it's done, you we don't have deposit, we did just no want deficit. you to, to start the job and do it. Mm-hmm. Or even tell you I will advertise you, just give mm-hmm. me a really, really good discount. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to argue for a discount. Sometimes you really make business and and I like what Brenda said when it comes to timelines you really need to give yourself a realistic timeline when you're starting your own business Um, I, I know even me I've had desire of starting a business and I've, and I've started a few and normally I put myself into the idea of saying that okay I want to start this business maybe in one month months it's going to pick up and i'm starting to make it i'm going to start making profits but in reality i probably i won't be making profits as much within the first month or two months so depending on how big or intense your company or your business is you need to give yourself realistic timelines of when you can really begin to see growth in your business when you can begin to see profits in your business. It might start small, maybe 5% profit, 10% profit. That's something. Sometimes not even um, suffering a loss is a profit in itself. So have realistic timelines and don't compare yourself to people. I think we are humans and that really happens. Sometimes when something, something is not going our way or we are struggling at a particular point in our life, we look at someone else and be like, but they're really thriving in whatever they're doing. And that really sometimes demoralizes you and you're like, am I doing something wrong? Am I not putting enough effort? But maybe reality is you're putting a lot of effort and you're where you need to be right now. Just give yourself time. Don't look at other people because with life, we are humans. We try and the air in good times. So you won't see my struggles. You'll just see my achievement. Maybe that person who's in employment, maybe they've gotten that promotion or they're getting their monthly salary, but what they endure to get that monthly salary is just something um, something that you would not be happy about. With the stories we've seen, these are people who are employed, some of them, and they mention toxic work environments, having to fight hard for promotions, not having good bosses, um, always having to second second guess yourself at work to the point of almost um, quitting your job or even quitting your job. So everyone struggles in their life. If you've taken a path that you're genuinely passionate about and believe in, don't second guess yourself. Even if it gets hard, just keep pushing and eventually with hard work, you will see the results. Exactly. And then, um... I think I can just top it up by saying like um, remember to do the smart goals, you know, the ones for make specific goals, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. If even in the short term, just make very specific goals. And when you meet those, you'll at least you'll feel good at that time. Um and then also remember your own boss. So it's a class. Yeah, and don't feel like a failure. I mean, I read this and I was like, "This, this is bad." That our world, the world we live in right now, is toxic to this point. You're not a failure. At the end of the day, compare yourself to your past self. Sometimes comparing yourself to other people is really toxic, and I'll admit it. Even I have done it. But compare yourself to your previous self. Yesterday, what kind of person were you? Have you improved today? Have you learned today? Have you pushed yourself further today? Taken one step. Take time to also celebrate yourself so that you don't find yourself falling into um, depression or having anxiety. Take that time to really appreciate small wins because I think sometimes we don't do that. Yeah. So with our next story... Um, My manager did not acknowledge the hard work I put in and didn't listen to my concerns. And to make it worse, he was unprofessional, arrogant, and really rude. He lacked respect for me. We worked together for two years, and those years were not easy. It's hard to work for a manager who does not have your back, offers minimal to no guidance, and does not trust you to do your job. I loved my job and the company I worked for. However, when another company took interest in me, I left without a second thought. Best decision ever. And I, I think this just reminds me of the quote of, that says, people don't leave bad jobs, people leave bad bosses." I mean, to be working with somebody who is being unprofessional, is being rude to you, arrogant to you, and even max respect for you is It's not just something that is frowned upon from a manager, but even a a colleague, like a workmate. Mm -hmm. And it's sad that this person had to put up with this for two years. But like we said, sometimes you stick in a job because you need to pay your bills. And the sad part is that it's not just our listener or our guest that has been through this, having to leave a job because of a boss but a number of people are leaving jobs because of their bosses. For example, a 2019 survey by staffing firm, Robert Half found that almost half of the workers surveyed their jobs because of bad bosses. A new survey by Resume Lab found that 75% of workers stay at a job with a bad boss because they need the money, but most typically last two years or less moving on. So this just says that a lot of companies end up losing good talent because of bad managers or bad bosses. An employee can only put up with it so much. I mean, even with this survey, it says that people normally last um, a few months to two years before they have to move somewhere else. And our guest um, shared that, when another company showed interest in them, they're more than happy to leave. So, you know, with a toxic work environment or maybe your manager not having your back and offering support makes you not have loyalty to the company. I mean, if there was loyalty here and a good working environment, you'd find somebody going back to their boss and saying, I've been given an offer here. Um, I'm considering it because of this and this, and this, but I'd love to stay. Can you match my the offer or something like that? But in this situation, probably you find that person even left without explaining Mm -hmm. to the boss what happened. They just got that job offer and put in their resignation and probably just left. Mm Exactly. Yeah. So I think that um, it's very important that manager and employee relationship. Because even for me, like if I have trouble at work, I just go and tell my manager this and this is causing me stress. And I don't think I can handle it any longer. And then the manager figures out a way to help out. And you guys, it's actually you know this guest loves the job mm-hmm. and loves the company. But just one person can change everything for you. Yeah. And um, it just makes me wonder, like, what does the boss gain by being toxic? They're making you miserable, yeah, or them. is it just a personality thing? i think Some of them, it's personality, or like like this listener here. She said that. Um, they don't respect me so you'd find maybe that particular boss acts very well with everyone else or anyone else who's above them but anyone who is not of not a senior they just mistreat because of lack of respect like there's nothing you can do Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I guess that's why I see some companies trying to Put events where people have to mingle, yeah. have to talk to each other. Team so bonding. Yeah, a lot of companies do that actually nowadays. Yeah. yeah, but this is a personality thing. I would also say, yeah. but like I think in some in some companies I don't know if it's all oh, they allow you to bring this up so you can get a different manager, but I'm sure the construction um Industry, it's a bit different. You'll probably have one project manager sometimes. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. And some companies are probably even just five people mm. in the company. So, one boss is just one boss. If they yeah. are toxic, then they're toxic. And I think you mm-hmm. just have to find, like this person has said, in the end, it's a choice between a bad boss and your mental health. Yeah and for me mental health and this is my own opinion mental health comes first i will leave a job before i have to worry about my mental health because if i'm being honest if i stay in that company and my mental health is not at its best i won't perform to my best and with time i'll become like very miserable so i prefer maybe to just leave before it gets very bad because also looking for a job when your mental health is not at, it at its best will not be easy. You'll just have anxiety of maybe the next place I'm going to will be hard. And that brings me to the point of also, when you're leaving a company, please leave it in the most respectable way possible if you can. Maybe there's some situations that it might not be possible to leave amicably, but if possible, live on um, live everything is okay, if I can put it like that, or you don't really have beef with people, because how you live a job can be just as important as what you did when you were there. Um, it's important for you to live in the best terms possible. So that maybe it doesn't even affect you getting your next job in any way. And with social media nowadays, um, sites like LinkedIn, you will stay connected with maybe the previous company that you worked for and you never know with this world we say you might end up finding that person somewhere somewhere else so it's not just the employee who's living who should be worried about living amicably but even the employer the company should try and and let the employee go in an amicable way so that one time, if you find yourself somewhere together, there's you no know, this awkwardness of I can't work with you because um, working with you is like very toxic. Or when I left, you gave me a really hard time. Or when you left, you said a lot of bad things about us. You know, give feedback that is professional, that probably will help the people staying in the company or who are yet to come, but don't make it personal. Yeah, yeah, don't make it personal. Yeah. I once did this interview, I didn't get a job, but like <laughs> <laughs> for the next job like that I got. Um, the person who had interviewed me in the one that I didn't get mm-hmm. found me in this other company is like, wait, you are hired here. And it so happens that the human, the HR, both departments, they knew each other uh-huh. and they've been talking. So this is where they now start exchanging information about candidates, oh about God. employers. Yes. Employees. And I really think with the HR community, it, it's mm-hmm. somehow small. Because even if you check LinkedIn and you start following somebody like a recruiter or HR, you'll find that a lot of them follow each other. Mm-hmm. So trust me, sometimes when you're looking to leave a company and join another one, if they probably know the recruiter of that particular company or the HR of that company, they will reach out to them and probably ask um, questions about you. So leave amicably. bit. I agree. So our next story, The job I do requires me to closely work with another department within the company and some of my workmates make my work hard. I'm not sure if it's because of my age, they undermine me every chance they get and question every information I provide them with. I thought I was a problem, but other people who have worked with them before shared the same concerns. I can't escape it because we work together regularly. It's gotten to a point I dread working with them. During things, I literally fall ill. Um, this is a face emoji. I feel my self-confidence has gone down. I now second-guess myself every time and I have horrible anxiety. My manager is aware of what is happening, but not much has been done. I feel like I'm being bullied and I'm losing it. For my sanity i have to resign this this is like very very sad having having to read this and seeing that somebody is in such a toxic work environment that they literally fear having to sync with their workmates they fear having to be in meetings with their workmates is is really sad and have. Honestly, I'm just in shock, even after reading this, that somebody can be working with with people who really threaten their their mental health to the point that no longer want to, to work with them, and not just work with them, but to resign from the company, and one thing that this guest has shared is that at first they thought maybe they're the problem, maybe they don't know how to work with these particular individuals, but it seems like other people also have complained that working with these people um, is hard. So my question just comes in, um, if the manager is also aware, how come not much has been done and how come child maybe hasn't gotten involved um, to try and assist this employee and even assist the the workmates who are making her her work like really hard and i can say that it's more than exhausting for employees to be part of a work culture where people devalue each other's work constantly and try to manipulate results through criticism or threats and if this guest is going through that then just just as they've said i have to resign most likely, this is somebody who's going to resign within the next few weeks, or even within the next months. If this is something that is not addressed, yes, some departments can really be toxic. Yeah, you have to, and you'll find that probably a
1: department of really few people, but really mm-hmm.
0: can, can be your life. Really, and mm-hmm. this actually growth up age as well. Sometimes you find that you you're young, and the other people people are older. And you, if you're senior and you're young and they're old and they're not you they're senior, it can also break up um, that issue. I find that sometimes probably it's good to copy in the conversation somebody who's more senior to them. So they don't have to ignore you and act yeah. like they didn't see your email or prompts. Yes, because then if you do it by yourself, then you have to keep bothering them, you have to keep bugging them. If, you're, if they're superior, who's the more superior is in the conversation, then I think it makes it easier. And I know like uh, companies like it like that, that in the, in an email chain, in a conversation, there's always somebody senior, just they're watching yeah. and, and seeing things. Don't fight the battles alone. Yeah, you don't have to fight those battles alone. And I like what Brenda has said about CCing or coping in somebody more senior, especially when you're working on sheets and maybe a sheet needs to be updated and they haven't done it and they're giving you a hard time, write a comment on that sheet of like kindly update and then you see your senior um, manager so that in case it's not done and they would have likely blamed it on you, then, um, then it's not on you. And I think sometimes people have an issue with age because they think maybe probably you're undeserving your child in court so you can't tell them experience. what to do experience, which isn't really right. And I think one thing that this reminds me of is that this person has said that they want to resign. So at the end of the day, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. This um, people that this person works with made them feel very bad um, making them almost have anxiety and just feeling unappreciated and respected in the workplace and and that's not right yeah so I think another thing I would say is that you'll find that other departments or other colleagues maybe can undermine your work if it was never clearly stated what was supposed to be done by who if you and you're always constantly getting the blame, of course. You start feeling anxious, feeling annoyed, and all that. So, just always put into record everything that needs to be done by who, by what. Follow up with um, an email chain of yeah. what has been done and what hasn't been done. This will save you yes. next in the future, yeah. Okay, so for the last story, I was assigned um, work cases and had to check for errors and omissions. So, but having ADHD a lot of reading um, sorry in order for me to succeed in my task a lot of reading was required and focus as well and having ADHD I was not able to focus I would read one page for hours over and over trying to internalize information on it my mind just wasn't there and I couldn't say that to my employer one time I made um one big mistake and that cost the company money i can't explain the condition because i have become a liability to the company and people didn't understand the condition in a way so i suck it up and blame it on something else and not my condition or for instance one time i forgot to take meeting notes because i couldn't focus due to distractions in my environment i blamed it on being a newbie when it wasn't that i really wanted to focus i just could not So, I'm not sure, let me actually first describe to you what ADHD means. So ADHD in full is um, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And this is um, a condition that includes uh, attention difficulty, you could have hyperactivity, you could have um, impulsiveness. so it usually sometimes manifests in childhood, but sometimes can persist into adulthood. Actually, some people wouldn't even know that they are in the until you're diagnosed. And this could contribute to self-esteem, trouble, difficulty at school and at work. And our story, story specifically for difficulty at work. So of course at work will be given a lot of us yeah. And memory, you require memory. You'll require to remember all the tasks you've been given. But our guest has mentioned um, the struggles of working with mental health, like um, disorder let's say, ADHD. And I think let's probably talk about the coping mechanisms first before I delve deeper. So, lateness to work is a thing, actually, because you forget a lot of stuff. But our guest has shared some few tips and tricks that they use. They set multiple alarms and write down every activity. Actually, like this writing down every activity has helped a lot of us. Yeah. The write down tasks, write down everything. And then also um, writing these alarms in terms of tasks as well. This needs to be done by this serum alarm. This needs to be done by this saddle alarm. I think I like the story because ADHD is not really like um, a topic that people identify with. Like she's mentioned, this is not a a story that, a topic that they bring up with the employer because they come up. I mean, she's even, or he's even mentioned that um, they made a mistake that ended up costing the company money. So if this was related to her condition, then they would be like, how many times are we going to lose money because of you? Then like you said, or he said, is that they feel that they might become a liability. So they decide to, mm-hmm. to keep it a secret and, and you blame it on other things. Maybe you know it's your condition, but you're saying that um, maybe it was just forgotten. Am it slipped through the cracks and these things happen. And like it was said that, um this particular listener and guest shared that they would blame it on them being new to the task, so them being new, new to the job, when that is not the case. It's because of their ADHD that they cannot help. They really want to focus on their work, but they cannot help it. It comes with the condition. And this is something that people don't really understand, Some people might peg it down to it being that you're lazy, you just don't, you are an unfocused person, you don't have drive when that's not the case. You're actually suffering suffering from a condition. And having ADHD doesn't mean that somebody will not um, perform tasks or succeed in that field. It means that they just have to work a lot harder for them to succeed in that particular field, like our guests um said that they had to read um a document over and over again just to internalize it yeah and i can actually relate to the a bit about the part for forgetting some tasks but only when i was pregnant pregnancy comes a lot sometimes yeah so like at work i struggled a bit because i would forget meetings. um but us didn't travel so much because at that point i was writing down all my tasks just so that i can Naturally, I still I do that at the level. So I remember that I was one day, I was late with some of my colleagues, and specifically two colleagues. I was late for that meeting three times, and at that point I decided I will just come share. In. I'll just come to. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to come clean so that yeah. the, your bosses can understand your condition. Um, and, and work with that. So at this point, I had a um, manager who really good when I told her, she's like, okay, we can work with that. So every time, five minutes before a meeting, she would remind me. And you see <laughs> the manager's nice emotions, part, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes also sharing co- could work, but it has to be something you decide. So I decided um, that this is becoming now a regular team. Let me just share with my managers. And not only her, I shared with the manager about, and they both came up with coping mechanisms for me. So I think it just is your work. If you have a good work culture that can save you a lot of stress. So, this, uh, specifically the coping mechanism for writing down tasks, is a very, really good one. It helped me, and talk to your manager as well it helped me. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say for that point. Okay. So we have gotten to that random question segment. The question is if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? So I'm posing this random. question. Yeah, very random. I'm posing this question to you guys. Take a pause and just think about it. And, and I would text say, tell us, us. Yeah. even text it to us and tell us what you think. If animals could talk, which would be the rudest? So it has been stuck to give brother cats. (laughs) Why cats are. Have you ever tried to carry a cat that doesn't want to be carried? It will scratch your face, scratch your hair, and then push you away. (laughs) I think they are so good, but also, like, I feel like they them. Yeah, (laughs) even me, I love cats, but they're snobs. You know, you feed them, you give them a home. (laughs) So that's like they don't care, you yeah, and then you call them and they don't come. yeah sometimes they'll even look at you and size you and then walk away. <laughs> yeah okay. Um for me I I would go with hyenas because first of all, um I, I wouldn't want you to discriminate with how they look but things <laughs> sometimes i are not even scared of lions like there was a video I was watching um, a few days ago and this hyena had the audacity to, to run after, to chase after, um, was it a, a lion or was it, um, a cheetah? But it was, there was one that was eating um, an antelope and then it came and took its food and it chased it away, I think because that other animal was by itself. So it chased it away. And then also they laugh. They laugh <laughs> it's <okay>, shocking, <laughs> But it sounds like they laugh, they laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say. for that, that. Would you? Um, so they're not for the type of, <laughs> <It depends laughs> of <laughing now>. Maybe <laughs> when something is dying and you come laughing. Um, yeah. If i um, yeah, but, but who knows maybe they're just talking to each other or funny. Funny. Have, have you seen okay just go and watch a hyena do its thing mm-hmm. they're funny but also you'd be like i wouldn't be friends with you Not to be taboo, <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. yeah so uh, so back to our topic which is mental health in the workplace some coping mechanism we mentioned some coping mechanism um with every story that we shared with you but another coping mechanism you can use if you feel like you need um to check your mental health is meditation a lot of people um say that meditation really helps it grounds you it gives you time to sometimes disconnect from the chaos that is life and just focus on yourself. And some apps that you can use are Headspace. It's free and at the same time you pay for it. I think you pay for the premium, but um, if you're just trial phase, you can use it free, maybe a month, and then you move to paying for it. And then we also have Let's Meditate. Let's meditate is an app that I personally use and I find it very soothing, relaxing, depending on what um, gives you peace. the um, meditations whereby somebody can talk you through relaxing or you can just hear, listen to nice music, soothing music. You can listen to rainforest, um, rainfall, um, nature, all that. And I really love it. Sometimes I even use it for sleep. Um, Another thing you can use as a coping mechanism is have reminder apps. This is something that um, Brenda and I mentioned earlier, talking about um, if you feel that sometimes you forget certain things, then put a lot of reminders for yourself. It can be alarms whereby you have an alarm maybe at 9 a.m. If it's supposed to be you leaving the house at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., the alarm reminds you to leave the house that can come really in handy. Yeah, and for the females mm-hmm. out there, you can also use your know, female trackers. Mm-hmm. They have, um, For example, Flo has the um, chat space for mental health. They have mental, mental health topics. They have mental health contests. Yeah, I agree with I've also used it and it's really good and it's free depending on how much you want information you need from it. you can pay for it if you choose to if you want Mm. to use it premium so guys for listening in this has been a very interesting topic for brenda and i we really enjoyed it so remember to figure out what you want and work diligently towards it consistently and patiently follow us on instagram facebook twitter linkedin like and comment share our podcast with your people we really appreciate that also remember to reach our show on apple and goodbye guys. Bye.